so good to be back with you guys. Never would have thought this was going to happen, so no one just skips down to Australia on a 16-hour flight. Like, I'll just pop over there real quick. Um, but uh, it just happened, and if you guys had asked at any other time of the year, the answer would have been, like, I love you, I wish, but no, we just can't. Um, but uh, it just worked out. Like, there's too many layers and too many different things. Um, one thing I would love to share before, before I jump in um, is, so Bethel Church has a relational connect, um, connection group called Global Legacy. Maybe some of you may or may not have heard of that. Um, and within Global Legacy, pretty much any church can join. It's not a denomination. It's not a, necessarily like an official group. It's simply a relational connection. So you can still be in your Baptist or Presbyterian or AG or ACC church and be a part of Global Legacy. Um, it's simply a relational connection with some core values, um, like, hey, we agree with this, and we want to run with you. Within the Global Legacy group, there is a group called the Bethel Leaders Network, um, with it, which is a group of people that churches can basically apply to be a part of and be at, you know, asked to join, and we basically interview them and have a little more connection and really carry the, the core thanks out the, the, the core values of, of, the, of the church. And um, they asked me... Um, to oversee all of Australia and New Zealand. Oh, and so they asked me, and I was like, ah, while still doing my current job and everything that, I'm, that we have going on. Um, and so I, 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 it's, it's not a massive amount of hours, but it is a large responsibility. Um, and so I was very like, oh, you don't take this lightly, you know, and, and you're overseeing leaders of some, you know, uh, different leaders of everything from a massive multi-campus church to a really small um, you know, like 20-person, 15-person home group and everywhere in between. Um, and so I, I felt like the Lord said, hey, I've opened doors for you in Australia New Zealand. Um, take this. And so I went, okay. So I said yes that on Monday. On Tuesday, Justin called me in this text. I was like, all right, I hear you. <laughs> I see what you're doing. <laughs> this is weird. And so I, I showed um, my text message to my wife, Claire. We got married. Thank you, God. You guys are, <laughs> I feel like everyone's like, oh, great to see you. Where's Claire? <laughs> she is amazing. She'll hopefully be here at some point in time. But um, she's still on her green card, so she can't leave the country quite yet. Um, she's from London originally. But uh, I showed her the text message, and she immediately was like, you have to go. And she's not one to necessarily say that um, quickly. So anyway, the Lord's just doing a lot, even for me personally, a little personal moment just for me personally in, in Australia and New Zealand, um, the great Southlands. Um, and the, I, I, this morning, I think part of why personally it was so emotional for me was I looked out and just saw some of the different faces, the different people that I've run with here now for what, four, five plus years, six years maybe? It's my sixth trip out. Um, and... I'm, I am blown away. We were here for Awakening Australia in November, um, and just I'm just blown away at what the Lord is doing down here. Like, truly, truly, it's not just fun. Like, I do love Australia. I love coming. But it's a long trip, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a long way down, and it comes at, it comes at a price, but I'm, I'm so convinced with what he's doing. Um, okay, so I love you. <laughs> Um, great, really, really to be, to be back here with you. It's an absolute honor. Um, really briefly before I go, but um, 
I felt like there was impossibilities happening in the room today. I, I, I felt like roll in like a cloud kind of thing, just like roll in. Um, and then I, you know, when you kind of feel something and you, you release it and you're like, anybody? One, two, you know, and it, uh, probably a, at least a quarter of the room, at least, um, maybe, maybe a third of, of, of the room. But I, I, I felt there's, there's times, um, which I'm going to hit a little bit on this today, but there, there's, there's moments in time when you come in and you sit next to someone and you grab their hand and you just cry with them, Right. And you don't give them an answer. You don't come in with like, oh, but the Lord's so good. Whoopsh. You know what I mean? Like, it's not what they need right there in that moment, you know? Yes, it might be true. But right there in that moment, they actually might need compassion first um, to feel connected to and just like, wow, that's hard. Wow, how'd you get that? Oh, that's, that's intense. But I, 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 there was a time for that. But then there was a time, and I felt this morning when the Lord was like grabbing hands. He was like literally coming and like snatching hands and was like coming and just coming grabbing people and pulling them up, stand, and stand with me. And I saw him doing that all across the sanctuary. I saw him doing it with you, Moy. I saw him coming next to you, and I saw him grab your hand as they stand right now. And, and then I saw, I saw the Lord come in, and obviously in my mind, like I'm imagining this, um, but I, I saw him come in and like almost like, like Moses moment when he's on the Red Sea, and he's like puts his hand in front and is like, stand back and watch me do what I do. And then the Red Sea splits, and the pillar of fire goes in front of the chariots of Pharaoh, and it's, it's just this like <laughs> moment. And I feel like that's happening, really, in, in, in lives, that there, there are things shifting right now. There is something massively shifting. There's like a churning and a brewing happening um, in Echo Church more than I've ever felt it before. Um, and I was just overcome. And when the Lord comes in the room, I just cry. It's just what I do. I gave up trying to stop it years ago um, and have learned to embrace it as strength, um, not as weakness. But... Um, yeah, so I, I, I really feel like there's something happening. There, there, is, there is a, there is, it's physical, it's financial, it's relational, it's a job, it's business, it's any impossibility, any wall that's in front of you. He is, he, he is coming and in, in, in coming um, through. So congregation, if you prayed for someone, I would love for you to check back in with them, even maybe like after service, if it's appropriate for the person to tell you what's going on, um, just to connect with them and hear um, just the, uh, the, the, the story, really, you know, the story of, of what's happening. Is that good? I would just love to even just challenge you as a congregation to really check back in with these people and hear what's going on and watch the Lord move, like watch him move. Even like for those of you like, oh, I've been doing this for 10 years, for 15 years, 20 years, I've been like believing for this. I feel like the Lord is just saying like one more time, one more time. Yeah? Okay. Woo! So, I'm going to speak a little bit on emotional health. Um, I teach a class in our second year um, school environment, and I, I, I don't like having it massively in the sanctuary, so we do two different rounds of it, and um, it's, 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 it's basically um, tools I've developed. I've shared a little bit about briefly here um, a couple times off and on, but when, when I was talking to, to Lee and Justin, I'm like, why do you want me to come out? And they're like, we don't know. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That's fair. <laughs> the Lord said, and for me, that's enough. Honestly, that, that, that really is enough. Even Claire was like, so what are you going to speak on, my wife? And I was like, I don't know. This is going to be great. <laughs> but then when sit, sitting down with, with Justin and Lee last night, just speaking on that, that you guys are one of your pillars, one of your, your main three guys is, is health. Um, and I think that's, that's really, really beautiful. And I, I think health comes, health looks like wholeness, you know, um, health looks like, um, health and relationally speaking, health and finances, health in your job, health and whatever health would look like to me, 
um, thriving, healthy wholeness. That would be health to me. Um, and I think probably my greatest desire, I think probably like the, the Lord's desire is that Christians would be the most healthy, wholehearted, fully present people. Yeah, I think I think that, that that would really be the goal, you know? The 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 dream would be that Christians would be not perfect, not um uh glossy and shallow, not this um unattainable, untouchable, like I'm just doing good, brother, you know, like there, there is a bit of that, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of people, but, but that you're real, you're authentic, but you're rooted in the healthy wholeness of God. Yeah. And to get whole, you sometimes have to embrace the process. Um, when you, whenever we talk about emotional health, a lot of times you can, you can get into like, oh, emotional health, that's just sappy, emotional, whatever, you know. Um, I was definitely one of those, one of those people. Um, but I went through a, a breakdown in my life. I don't have time to go into the whole story. But a breakdown in my life where I had to, then t- I had to tackle and address emotional issues. Um, if I didn't, I was, I was in a massive amount of panic, amount of anxiety, um, physically at a chronic disease um, that was eating away at my body. I, 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 there was an overwhelming amount if I didn't press into wholeness, into health with the Lord. Yeah. Um, so we're going to open up the scripture a little bit here. Um, so I, I'm going to do kind of two parts today, just to give you a little heads up. I'm going to do two parts. The first part will be like the why a little bit for why emotional health and, and what it is. And then um, the the part two um, will be after service, after lunch. And I'm, I'm going to give you guys a really practical hands-on tool, like that you can all leave here and go do something with. Not the like, you know, the, the application. So where I love the, the preaching. And you're like, that's good, brother. And you leave like, what did he talk about? I don't know. Like, you know, honestly, I've been there. Um, but I, I really want to give you something that has absolutely transformed my life. I never taught it here, but it, it's, it's a simple, it's not anything rocket science. Um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, simple tool um, that has dramatically transformed and altered my life, um, hands down. Um, but that's in the second session, so I feel like an infomercial. Um, so you'll have, to, you'll have to come back to, to the second session. But, um, okay, so model for this, why? Jesus, how old was Jesus when he started his public ministry? 30. <laughs> 30 years old. For a lot of us, especially people who grew up in church, I'm a pastor's kid, so, you know, it's by about the age of 12, I'm either running a vacuum at late night, trying to clean up the service afterwards, or I'm praying for people, slain in the spirit. We had went to a wild, charismatic church, um, and it was just normal for me. I grew up in it. So about 12, 13, I'm doing stuff in ministry. I'm praying for people. I'm on the prayer lines, you know, with my parents, pray, praying for people. Um, but Jesus has a very different model, not to put down my parents at all. It's amazing, beautiful. I'll raise my kids. Um, no, we're not pregnant. Um, I'll, I'll, raise, I'll raise my kids in the church, and I want them to be doing that. But Jesus had a very interesting model. We have no recollection other than him sitting um, in the temple with uh, learning the scriptures. We, that's the only reference we have to Jesus as a boy. Everything else, it starts at age 30. So what does that tell me? Jesus could have come as um, a 30-year-old and done his signs and wonders and bam, bada boom, bada bang, 
good to go, right? But he came as a baby and lived in a process. So that tells me Jesus is interested in the story and the journey. He's interested in the process, and he took on flesh. It was his great joy to take on flesh. So he's interested in the journey and the process. The journey and the process is wonderful when you read it in a book. It's amazing when you hear on a testimony, it's, right? But every great story, if you go to Hollywood, every, all the great storytellers of the world know that stories follow an arc. They follow an arc of the, the um, problem, the protagonist, the antagonist, the, the issue, the struggle, the tension, and then um, the building action, the climax, and then something happens, something shifts, and then it falls. So th- this, this is an arc that's kind of built into us, the overarching arch that's, that's built into the fabric of who we are, that Jesus loves a story. He is the and suddenly God, and he's the walk it out God. He's the both. He really is the and suddenly God. And I think sometimes I want to be careful before, I t- before we, we hit um, into more stuff that I want to say that Jesus is the both and God and everything is held with intention. All throughout scripture, we have so many stories of God showing up and, and suddenly healed, right? And then also we have the promises that he makes to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we don't see those for years and years and years, right? We see him, we see him appear um, to, to, to Abraham, and it takes generations, literally, for him to see um, this, those promises fulfilled. So there is a story as well as a right now immediate moment. The tension I think we get in is that we can almost numb ourselves to needing um, uh, the journey in the story. So for me, a um, couple, couple scriptures here. So Jesus spends, spends 30 years um, before he lifts a finger in ministry. Um, and I think for, for that, what that says to me is that he's interested in your journey and your story. He's interested in where you're at. And um, so Matthew 4, 4, if you want to turn there, you can. If not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of fly through this a little bit. But Matthew 4, 4, so Jesus is baptized in, in, in the Jordan River. He comes up out of the river. Most of you probably know this. Um, this is right before. And he, um, the, uh, the Spirit of God manifests like a dove and falls upon him. And, and the Father in heaven declares audibly, this is my son, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Public declaration of identity. This is who he is. Then immediately from there transitions. And what happens? Jesus is led, led into the desert. That wouldn't be how I'd write the story. You know, I'd throw the party and the celebration and I'm a son, you know, whatever. But, but he's led into the desert right there. And so Satan comes to him and tempts him. I'm paraphrasing now. Satan comes to him and tempts him. And Jesus' first response back, let's just go there really quick. Jesus, Matthew 4.4. 4. Um, guys doing okay so I'll just go from verse one then Jesus was led by the spirit everyone say led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after 40 after for, uh, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry the tempter Satan came to him and said if you are the son of God tell these stones to become bread so literally Jesus is baptized, this is my beloved son. Immediately, Satan comes in with a question. Did he really say, if you are the son of God? Literally, not even a half of, a couple of verses before, this is my beloved son. Interesting that the, that the father comes in to give you a truth and the enemy immediately comes to snatch it away. 
immediately. So then Jesus responds with, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The emotional health journey is hearing the voice of God at its heart. It's simply understanding who we are, understanding what we're like, what he is like, and then feasting on what he has said about us and allowing his words to transform us like bread transforms us. Yeah, that, that is really the emotional health journey um, that, that I would say. And I think in our fear, maybe, we've almost um, diminished it to becoming um, uh, shallow or not needed or the, especially in, if, if you go in the more, the, the quote, quote, uh, Western masculine journey of like, I don't need that. I don't need to cry. I don't need emotions. I don't need all that. And so we chopped off emotions at, at its core. Justin, I don't know how much, I don't want to repeat some, he was telling me a little bit of what he spoke on last week, but I just want to make sure we're covering all the bases. Triune God, right? Father, Spirit, Son. Did he hit this? He did? Okay, great. I'm going to make sure. Father, Spirit, Son, Triune God, and then Triune um, Body. So 1 Thessalonians 5.3, I believe it is. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Spirit, Soul, and Body. Just going to read that really quick to you, just so we have a little bit of context. I want to anchor everything I do in the Bible. Um, May God himself, this is Apostle Paul writing this, the God of peace sanctify you through and through, all the way through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So may your spirit, whole, your whole spirit, soul, and body, triune God, three-part God, they're three different people, but they're also one. You're three different parts, but you're also one. It's a wild um, cataclysmic uh, understanding of I'm three parts, but I'm one. I'm one Peter, right? So you, you have three different parts. You make up three different parts, spirit, soul, and body. But if we're not careful, we talk all about the spirit, like, you know, miraculous breakthrough. We love it so much. Our understanding is first and foremost a, a physical body. When you're a baby, you're understanding that you're a body first. You understand when you're hungry, when you get hurt, when you're in pain, all these things. You're understanding the, the, the physicality of the things around you. But we can very quickly push off the soul. For me, we're not led by our emotions. I think for a lot of times we've, we've, we've had teaching in the church and kind of in culture in general that says that we're not led by emotions, which is, I actually would agree with. We're not led by emotions. We're led by Jesus. But in that phrase, if we're not careful, you can cut off emotions and say, I don't want to be emotional. So then I just shove everything down. So everything you're feeling simply shoves down. And everybody in this room, hello, knows what happens when you shove stuff down. It will come out. <laughs> if you're a parent, you know, right? If you shove it down, it's going to come out at one point or another. You, you can say, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, it's okay. No, and eventually it will come out, right? Because you're meant to be a river. Rivers of living water rush through me. So things that come in must go out. You eat food, it's going to come out, right? So, so it's, it's meant to pass through you. So things pass through. There's an emptying and filling that comes and passes through you like a river. Jesus, many times throughout the Bible, uh, he refers to us humans as rivers. Rivers of living water live inside of you. Rivers have a flowing in and a flowing out. Food comes in, food goes out. Emotions come in emotions must come out. So what that tells me is that we are figuring out how to become emotional. <laughs> emotional does not mean hysterical. Emotional does not mean out of control. 
emotional does not mean this this like scary like oh emotional you say they're a very emotional person that's probably a negative connotation right that's probably a negative like whoa they're emotional you know whatever it is oh emotional peter oh it's just whatever and so we we've as as a western culture um have have almost shunned inadvertently what you're feeling when you are a baby how many parents do we have in the room raise your hand you know better than me. But when you, when you have babies and kids, they feel whatever they are feeling 100% of the time at 100% feel, <laughs> right? The little tiny prick in their hand, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're hungry, <laughs> you know, like they're uncomfortable, they're tired, meltdown, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. They feel 100% of whatever they're feeling 100% um, the degree to which you're feeling it. Right? So what I would propose is that we're learning and maturing that, okay, when you get, you, you understand that when you get a little cut in your hand, that probably doesn't dictate quite the emotional response that your arm getting chopped off would dictate, right? So we, we, we mature and we grow into actually believe, like, like understanding what is healthy, what is a healthy response. But I want to almost take out what is healthy for a second because I don't think we actually know what's healthy. And I think we've allowed society and culture to tell us what's healthy. So then someone experiences pain or hardship or turmoil or in, uh, just unknown awkwardness. And we're like, oh, what's a healthy response to that? You don't come to someone who's dying of something and say, what's a healthy response? You don't come to a little kid who's fallen on the ground and scraped their knee and they're bleeding and is like, Susie, what's a healthy response right now? You don't do that. You don't walk up to someone and say, and, and, or someone that, that's been hurt and gotten in a car crash and say, what's a healthy response right now? But yet in the church and in religion, because we desire actually to please God, it's a really beautiful desire. But we've, we've somehow allowed this thing to creep in that says, oh, you, ha- you just got diagnosed with this disease. What's a healthy response right now? What? No, I don't, I don't like it. Why? Because it cuts off people's ability to be human. Briefly, Jesus at the climax, the top, like the like moment of his highest point in ministry is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's sweating blood. He's wrestling with the Lord. And he asks the Lord three questions. If there is a way to allow this cup to pass from me, if there is any other way, will you do it? But not my will, but yours be done. But if there is any way, Jesus, God, if there is any way, Father, to allow this cup I'm about to drink, this thing I'm about to do, this cross I'm about to bear, this, this death I'm about to experience, if there's any other way, is there, is there, please let it pass from me. But not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus, at the, at the climax of his ministry, is wrestling and questioning God. But if we question God, suddenly the church gets real uncomfortable. Oh, questioning God don't know what to do. (laughs) You're questioning whether he's good. Don't know what to do. (laughs) You're feeling that emotion. Okay. I understand I'm pushing buttons right now. I'm very, very aware that I'm pushing buttons because I've been on both sides of that aisle. So what what am I proposing to us? That your emotions and things that you feel, your mind, your will, and your emotions, your soul, that's what makes up your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, those things are actually valuable, but we've chopped them off and said, nope. 
Everybody point to yourself right now. Point to yourself. Everybody, point. Go ahead, point. Not one of you is pointing up here. Every single one of you are pointing right here. Why? Because you live from here. You live from here. You function from here. I don't have time to unpack historically why we've kind of gone this direction. But if you go back even 100 or 200 years before kind of modernism and then postmodernism, we, we, were, we were feelers. Everybody felt it from here. If you go back to a lot of indigenous tribes, I do a lot of work with the Modi in, in New Zealand, and the, the, everything's in here, right? So everything's like you feel it in here first, and then they make decisions from here. This like heart, like everything's motivates me from like in here. I know I'm talking metaphorically a little bit right now, but we start adding in numbers and science, which I love. There is nothing wrong. I absolutely love it. But we then put that as a forefront. And so then in our conversation, when you meet someone, hey, how are you doing? What do you do? What do you do? Tell me what you do. Tell me what you produce. Tell me what, how you, what, what you function as, not what do you love. What are you into? You know, what do you enjoy doing with your time? What are you passionate about? What are you dreaming about? Right? We, we, the first question is, what do you do? I understand I'm pushing buttons right now. You guys okay? So what I, what I want to propose is that you were made as a baby in your purest form before anyone shamed you or told you to feel something or not to feel something or push and pull, whatever you're at. At your purest young form, you felt whatever you were feeling it to the 100% degree. Now, there is maturity. I understand that. There is maturing and you, and you grow. But what I want to get you back to a bit is actually feeling things again. Because some of you, percentage-wise, I'm not like accusing, but probably people in this room, just from doing this long enough, to, I know that you feel disconnected, put whatever word you want on it, ho-hum, kind of like, eh, whatever, about God and about religion and church and whatever it is, you just feel kind of just like, oh, I'm just fine, it's just me, I'm just a chill person, I'm just a like low-key personality. And, and, and we have all sorts of blankets we put on top of it to, to make us feel more comfortable of like, oh, I'm just not an emotional person, I'm not whatever. And there is that for sure. There, there is personality types, there is different upbringings and raisings and cultures, absolutely, absolutely. But I bet to a higher degree than we're willing to admit, we've somewhere learned to shove and to push things down. And then we've chopped off what we're actually feeling. Where Jesus wants to redeem emotions. Have you guys seen the movie Inside Out? It's so good. You should like watch it. Exhibit A, we should watch it. It's amazing. Um, it's, a, it's a Pixar Disney movie, it's great. I like watched this movie and I was like, this is brilliant. It actually was, actually was created, um, the, the ideas were created by a lot of psychologists that were addressing this issue um, in, in society. Um, it's, it is a kid's movie, so it, the, the metaphor breaks down at some point. But, but in, in, in that movie, um, it, it basically identifies um, emotions as um, different little characters. So six, if, if you go into psychology, I don't have, don't have time to go into it, but six, psychologically speaking, you have six kind of core emotions. Um, shame, anger, uh, we're not going to do it. I don't, have, I don't have time. It's fine. Um, but, 
in 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 that moment, um, there's there's these different characters that represent the six core emotions of, of that that kind of generally make up humanity and how how we function, and and in that we th- it, they 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 display joy um, and happiness as as the like best one like oh we want joy yay we want joy we want joy it's amazing which is great but then there's I don't want to give away the movie but um, <clears throat> how do I, I you actually really should see it it's a great movie um, but. We, you realize how crucial and critical sadness is. Wait, what? Pause on that movie. All throughout the Psalms, all throughout the Psalms, you have this dip of David over and over again, Asaph, the different people writing the, writing the Psalms, over and over again. I think it's about 60% of the Psalms, they imagine, were written by either Asaph or Daniel, they, they were ascribed out by, um, in, in a moment of turmoil, absolute turmoil. Yet those are the things, those psalms are what we hold as high, one of our highest form of worship. Ooh, I know I'm pushing buttons right now. I know I'm pushing buttons because we're uncomfortable as a church talking about pain and grief and discomfort. We're uncomfortable. And I've just lived a life where I'm like, I can't not. And so I want to give permission. So in, in, in the, the Psalms, you have this, I mean, like, have you guys read the Psalms? Like, they're brutal. Like, they're brutal, if you, especially if you do, like, a little exegetical, like, if you, like, look back at, like, the original language they wrote them in. They're, like, borderline saying very aggressive words towards the Lord. <laughs> very, very strong, strong accusations. Strong accusations, where if we put that in modern-day language, like if you read the message or if you read the Passion Translation or some of these other modern-day translations, you, you, you see some of this language. If, if I said that in church from the pulpit, you'd be like, ah. <laughs> right? You'd have that like little like, oh, gosh. Why? Because David was called a man after God's own, a man after God's own hat. That's great. So much better than me saying it. Heart. <laughs> Why? Because he embraced the journey. He embraced the journey, and he is the one. Jesus sits on David's throne in Revelation. Jesus sits on David's throne. So God's Father makes the throne that Jesus sits on, sits on David's throne. Revelation 4, I think it is. Right? He sits on the throne of David. Why? He gives him like the highest honor of any human in in history. Why? Because he's a man after God's own heart. Because God is not concerned with how great David runs his kingdom. He's not overly concerned. That's important. He's not, it is important, but he's not overly concerned with how David runs his wars or conquers more territory. God isn't even necessarily concerned with how well he builds a temple or how well he structures his home group or his church status. He is concerned with how much he's actually authentic and vulnerable with his process and his journey. Where the heck are you, God? You've left me. I'm here in this cave by myself. My enemies are pursuing me. They're chasing me down. They're here. My, the, my, my son is sitting scoffing at me. Um, his, his son is sitting scoffing at him. He's questioning the Lord saying, what is this? But however, surely I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Surely I will see the goodness of the Lord. And so what I want to give permission to you this morning is for you to fall apart. 
pastors, buckle up. No. <laughs> I'm a pastor in BSSM in, in our Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and I have students. And so many times I'm like, they're sitting, I, I, I get a student, and they're like sitting on my couch, and I have, I have one-on-one meetings with them in my office, and they're just, they're just wound tight, just, and everything's just put together, and just, yeah, no, 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 and they understand church culture and religion and how to do it, how to do it. And I was looking, and I'm just like, you just need to fall apart. And they're like, yeah, so anyway, so God is good. So I just, so I just believe that, you know, whatever. And I'm like, you just need to unravel. You just need to fall apart. I'm not saying do something stupid. I'm not saying go off the deep end. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you, you understand that. I think there's enough relationship to know that. But when you have permission to unravel, to unlearn, then the Lord can come back in and relearn and reteach. So what I'm proposing is that you cut yourself a break and you give yourself permission to actually lean into whatever you're experiencing in the moment. Why are we afraid as a culture to come in and say, how are you doing? Ah, not, not awesome, right? And yes, I understand you find out maturity-wise how to interact with people. But what I want to get you to is to a place that says you can actually embrace what's going on and not be afraid of it. Why? Because true authenticity when you're leading worship is when you've actually been and sat through the fire. You've all sat through it on some level, in some way, in some, some, something. Some of you big, some of you small, whatever, it doesn't matter the, the size. It matters that it's your story whatever you've gone through, but if you allow the Lord to come and be with you actually in the fire. Justin asked me to do that song. I never led it before. It's a great song. Wordy, great, amazing. It's like, <laughs> I told Justin, I'm like, you understand like when I sing it, people are gonna be a little open mouth like. <laughs> but it's a story. Jesus didn't come as a 30-year-old. He came as a baby because he loves story. What are we addicted to in movies? Story. What sells the best? Story. When you're branding, if you're in, I, I went to school for, and I did a little bit of branding and marketing. What do you want? You want a story to tell people. You're not just selling them, you know, Land Rover car. You're selling them the story of the outback and like getting in your Land Rover. And, you know, like you're selling them just the story because they want to attach their identity to something greater than themselves. Why? Because it's built inside of you to attract yourself to story. And what is story? It's a really lame story if there's no conflict. We're not looking for conflict. You understand? That's not what I'm saying. But the Lord, who does not cause it, has a way of taking the impossible and making it beautiful. He loves taking ashes and making it into beauty. He loves taking our brokenness and turning it into wholeness. He does it. Oh, this is who he is. It's who he is over and over and over again. Hmm. You said Tento? Yeah, great. Um, that's my Why? for emotional health. And you're like, great, how do we do it? Come back for session two. No, um, I, I, I would propose the point of all of this is story so that then when your friends at work who don't know the Lord, when you're, you're normal people you see on the street, you, you've had interactions with people who you actually can feel their fabric, so to speak. You can feel their story. You're like, oh, you have depth. You're not just like a shiny, glossy, happy, like, God is God, right, you know? You're like, oh, mm, plastic. 
My wife hates plastic. <laughs> hates it. But you can feel someone's depth when they've actually allowed the Lord to come in and sit with them in the middle of the fire. You can feel that. And so I would propose to you today that if you actually yield yourself enough to allow humans, people, the one thing God said wasn't good was that when Adam was alone and they made Eve, whoo, hallelujah, right? He said it's not good that you be alone. So allow humans to come in and help you in your journey. That looks like vulnerability, and that is horrible. I don't care who you are. There's some area in your life you're like, oh, if I tell you this, oh, gosh, right? There's some area of your life that looks like being vulnerable, that looks like being honest, looks like being authentic and real with whatever you're experiencing, even if that is questioning or wrestling, right? And so we go through this journey, and then when we go through the journey, then you can sing that song. I can sing that from a place of faith because of places in my life where I've allowed the Lord to be like, I don't understand what the heck's going on when I've walked with him in the midst of a chronic disease and been like, what the heck? What is going on? And I've let him have it. <laughs> Numerous times I've let him have it. But he's not afraid. He's not like he's sitting back going, oh, wow, how'd that get in there? <laughs> he's, not, he's not unaware of what's happening inside me, but if I can embrace my authenticity and who I am of like, what the heck? You say you're a healer. I literally run healing conferences, but yet I'm not healed. Help me understand this. Help me. And it's out of simple humility. It's out of simple, like, I just want to be close to you. It's authentic. It's not bitterness. Be careful in that. I'm not saying I'm giving you license to go out and just have a have at at the Lord for no reason. But when you embrace authenticity, then you allow the Lord to come in and say, Peter, hey, hey, come here. You know, I felt this. I'm like what? In a book I was talking about the other day, Gene Edwards, um, it's called The Divine Romance, amazing book. But he has a fictitious account of um, the angels at the cross. The father looks at all the angels um, and he says, now to the cross, now to the cross. And the angels span eternity past and eternity future and go into every single moment of all time, created time, and go into every single moment of your life and my life. And they lift sin, they lift weight, they lift shame, they lift guilt, they lift fear, they lift whatever it is, and they lift it from you. They literally take it from you. And they say, in that moment, they, they'll span back, and I'm going to get back. And, and, and um, the Father sits in heaven and says, now to the cross, now to the cross. And all of the angels in eternity past and eternity future span to one point in time onto Calvary's hill and take this and insert it into the chest of Jesus, split by the sword. They, and they, they insert it into him in that moment. And so when you're authentic and you actually embrace it, that allows Jesus to come in and sit with you. And you see him crying beside you. When you allow him to come in and actually embrace the pain, I've actually felt this before. I've felt this before. It takes away the cheesy Christian whatever answer and actually allows you to embrace a humanity of Jesus, the God eternal, feeling it with you. And then from that place, you see what he's like. You see his kindness. You see his gentleness. You see his great mercy. And you allow him to come in and sit beside you. And I propose that him sitting beside you is more important than any prayer request you could have. 
anything else because when he sits, everything just starts going all around him because it's who he is. And when you really see the Lord, when you really lock eyes with him, when you really allow him in and you're like, hey, me and you talk right now. (laughs) And you really get a conversation of actually tractioning with the Lord in that moment when you see him and you understand what he's like and you see his smile. How could you not but leave that moment and go and change the world? How could you not go and win everybody you meet to Jesus? How could you not but see what he's like and embrace him and leave that me and say, let me tell you about Jesus and how he told me about everything I did as I sat at a well next to him. Let me tell you about how he like changed my life. Let me tell you, and suddenly you're not trying to force something out that's not you. It's just coming out of you because you're at the petrol station and you're like, let me tell you about Jesus and how he, how he changed me. Why? Because people smell it on you. They just, it just drips off you. What is different about you? You should be really upset right now. Why are you not, you not overcoming? Oh, because I have allowed the Lord to come in and sit with me in it. And I felt him. I've gone through the journey and we've landed back. And I have a deep trust in who he is. And when you see him, how could you not go and change the world? So I'm here to say, giving into the process is actually beautiful. Giving into the journey. And it's a wrestle. And I wish I had answers, a nice little neat answer to give every single one of you of why. I wish I did, but I don't. But I have something way better. And that's just reintroducing you back to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, if you know him. Is reintroducing you back to the Spirit of God who's alive and well inside of you and will lead you through every valley because he's already walked there. He's walked with you as you. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, Galatians 2.20. He walked as you. He died as you. He experienced that pain and that hardship as you. He's felt those things as you. But you can't actually embrace that until you allow him to come in and sit beside you. That's real conversation. That's hard conversations with people. That's getting in touch with, okay, what actually actually happened? What actually went on? And I propose that that is true strength doesn't take much strength to be like, "Ah, I don't need to talk about that. Don't need to think about that. Don't need to go back. Don't need to hash that out. Don't need to go back over that hardship. Sorry. Anybody can do that. Anybody can throw a wall up. Takes a lot more work to tear one down. And we sing these songs like, Spirit, break out. Break our walls down. (laughs) Why don't you just start with you? And as yours tumble, they might knock somebody else's down. What if you just start with you? There's a famous Anglican priest who has a saying of like, when I was young, I tried to change the world. And then when I was in my middle age years, I tried to change my family and tried to change my friends around me. And then by the time on, I was at the end of my life, I just tried to change me. And then somehow in the changing, allowing the Lord to come in and change and rewrite me, somebody else might see my example and say, I think I'm going to try that too. That's real vulnerability. It's anti-cultural. It's different. Sounds like Jesus, though, doesn't it? Very other than, very flipped upside down kingdom. I'm really excited for where you guys are at.
really, really excited. I was just like, woof, getting hit what the Lord's doing in this church. It's so cool. The journey of it, the story, even just me being out here six times, like just seeing the journey and story you guys have come through. Oh, it's so refreshing. It's so amazing just to see the history and the, yeah, the story after story. Hmm. It's so much more simple than you think. It's real easy. It might be the hardest thing you've ever done, but it's not, it's not complicated. It's simply letting him in. Let's pray. Why don't you put your hand on your heart? <laughs> hey, Jesus, thanks, God, that you are down in the middle of it, right in the center of it, right in the middle of everything. You push everything else aside, and you're like, I don't need that. I need you, the real you. Thanks, God, that you're not afraid. You love church. You love the family of God. You love it. But right now, I breathe courage and hope into every single heart in this room. Courage and hope to actually face those things in our life, to actually realize and get in touch with actually what is actually going on. Hey, with the courage and strength of Jesus, fill you up right now. Hmm. Let him lead you, because if he leads you, it's going to be way better. Let him lead you. Let Jesus lead you. Don't go trying to dig up something that's not there. If he's digging, dig with him. If he's just dancing, dance with him. Yeah, I give you courage right now, Echo Church, to discover the Lord in your process and allow him to write your story. He writes really good stories. He writes really good stories. And he has a way of making every impossibility possible. Jesus, thanks. We end in thanksgiving. We end in saying, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you lived as a man. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you came down fully God, fully a man to show us what's actually possible. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Jesus, that these guys are right on time, not broken, not needing another thing to fix them, but simply understanding how whole you've actually made them. In the beautiful, beautiful name of Jesus, amen.